Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we read the Word together, study it, and apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in John chapter 6, and we'll pick up in verse 25. And if you remember, um, this is actually going to be the second major discourse that's not found in the other Gospels. Um, and, and what's happened here is Jesus has fed 5,000 people, uh, and then he kind of, uh, the disciples left him. Uh, on the boat, there was a storm. Jesus walks on the water. They end up in Capernaum. And the next day, um, uh, these people, these crowds who were fed uh, at the feeding in the beginning of chapter 6 are now going to catch up with Jesus in Capernaum. And that's where we pick up in verse 25. Let me start by reading there. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, let me just pause there and say, I think it's very interesting um, that they search for Jesus and they found him, they find him and they, and they call him rabbi. Um, but quite often in this gospel, as we'll see, people call Jesus rabbi, but then they don't really treat him like a rabbi. That is, they don't uh, receive his teachings. And I think that's so funny and kind of tongue-in-cheek in, in some ways. They call him teacher, but then they don't listen to his teachings. And I thought, boy, I mean, that was the first spot as I read through this. That's the first thing that jumps out to me is, I wonder if I'm guilty of that. I, I call Jesus my master, my Lord, my Savior, but do I do I live like that? These, these people call Jesus rabbi, but they don't receive his teachings. Anyway, in verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. I think that's such an interesting thing. Here we have Jesus pointing out. He says, look, guys, you're, you're looking for me, not because of the signs. Well, let's pause there and ask, well, what's the purpose of the signs? The purpose of the signs were always to point to God and, and to reveal Jesus' identity as the Messiah. That's what we've seen so far in this gospel and moving forward. The purpose of the signs is, is so that those who see the signs can believe in the one uh, the signs point to. That is Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, God in the flesh. Jesus says, you're not coming because you're seeing signs. You're, you're not coming because of that. You're coming because you... You ate your fill of the loaves. Of, of course, in this day, as in our day, uh, you work for what you have. These people had received a, um, a, 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 a easy meal pass in, in some ways. And so they want to lean into that easy meal pass. Jesus continues in verse 27. Do not labor for food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal. I think that's so interesting. Verse 27 starts, Don't labor for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. Boy, that's a pretty hard teaching that we need to really slow down and chew on for just a second. These folks, they had to work for their daily bread, and so they found a miraculous food source, and, and they saw it as good news, and indeed it was. But Jesus tries to redirect their attention. Don't work for food that spoils. Sure, you have to work for a living, but what's the deeper vocation? Their focus is on spiritual food, which is or on physical food, which is temporal. 
uh, like manna in the wilderness. It didn't last for long. But more profoundly, the life that it nourishes is all too brief. Our lives, James says, are like a vapor that's here one day and gone the next. Our physical lives of flesh and blood are, are given to God and they're, 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 are given by God and they're significant, but they are not the whole of the story. You see, Jesus points out here that this life is, is temporary. Our lives are temporary. We don't live forever. And Jesus says that there's a food that endures to eternal life. But it does not, and it does not rot. It, it, it nourishes real life, divine life. And that life continues on forever. And, and Jesus is really repeating here what he's already told the Samaritan woman. He said, indeed, if you remember, he says, indeed, the water I give him will become like a spring of water welling up in eternal life. The, the, the second question that jumps out to me is, is what do I hunger and thirst for? Uh, what is of highest value in our lives, in my life? You know, am I, am I like this crowd that, that sees a, a, a good thing in Jesus, but don't see it as the... Jesus as the top priority. I mean, consider for just a moment the the, the state of our nation uh, and rising uh, credit card debt. Uh, many people are so upside down in their finances uh, that they work and they work and they work um, in order to pay off the bills, and yet they neglect the things that are of most importance. I, I remember sitting and meeting with a a family some 10 years ago and they need they came to the church for financial assistance in a previous ministry they came to the church for financial assistance and as we looked over their their budget and their finances uh, they had a huge house and they had three or four brand new vehicles and they had a, 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 a some type of a large boat I can't remember the, the details of it but they had this huge boat uh, that they were making almost $600 a month payments on this huge boat and they were struggling to pay, be able to pay their their all their bills with their satellite TV and and cell phones and all, all of that stuff, all of these amenities that they added to their life and they were struggling and, and now coming to the church asking for um, uh, help in their 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 life. And, and I remember thinking, wow, how backward have we gotten life when we're working for these things? But then when I pushed and asked about uh, their marriage and their relationship with their children, they were uh, merely roommates as a couple and their their children were essentially raising themselves because mom and dad were too busy trying to make the money to buy the stuff that they had already acquired. It's a sad situation, but it's a commentary that's common in our world today. The question that we have to ask is, where do we find our value? What is of highest value in our lives? Are we like this crowd? They see an easy uh, meal, they come for the amenities, but they miss the source. So Jesus says to the crowd, he says, work for food that endures to eternal life, for which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal. He, he says, look, uh, here it is. It's both work and gift. And this is a concept that's often uh, uh, 
they're seen as opposition to each other nowadays in, in our world. Uh, in the Christian church specifically, we, we think about works and, and the gift of God, and we see them as opposition. But, but Jesus says the Son of Man will give this food by giving his own life and also by providing a means by which we may share in that life, as he explains it later. And so there's a work that's responsible, that we're responsible for, and a gift that's given to us. So the reference to the Son of Man in this passage is part of a pattern in this gospel uh, where the Son of Man refers to the Messiah uh, from heaven who brings God's life and judgment, uh, especially through the cross. Jesus says, work for what I give, or what the Father gives work for what I what I give. And then in the end of verse 27, in, in the ESV anyway, that's what I'm reading from, it says, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Uh, the NIV uh, does a similar type of work. The 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 first word there is, is the Greek word gar, which is because. And sadly, the, the NIV or the ESV don't really represent that word, gar, or because. Uh, which is important to understanding this reason. Uh, Jesus, the Son of Man, can give eternal life. The Son of Man will give you food that endures to eternal life because, or for, because on him God has placed the seal of, rep- uh, of approval. So Jesus says, work for what the Son of Man gives. And the Son of Man gives because... God has placed his seal of approval on him. Now, we don't really know what this seal of approval is. Uh, Maybe that's the incarnation itself when Jesus puts on flesh. Uh, Maybe it's uh, uh, the baptism of Jesus when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Whatever the case, what we do know is that Jesus uh, is the authorized dealer of this food that doesn't perish. Jesus is the the authorized dealer. And Jesus has reminded us, as he did in his earlier discourse in chapter 5, that he is utterly dependent upon the Father. And so this thought is is vital for understanding everything about Jesus, not, not, not least in his role of giving eternal life. It is the Father, the source of all, who has given Jesus the life that he offers here to, to this crowd and to us today. So, so look what happens next in verse 28. Verse 28. Uh, then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God? This is an incredible question. Uh, how many Christians today reach the height of this question? Uh, for how many of us is this a burning question for us? How would we answer this question? They say, what, what must we do to do the works God requires? How, how many of us would think of God's work as acting morally or doing evangelism or, or going to church? And as important as these things are, Jesus is going to go to the heart of the matter, to the source from which all of these vital aspects of eternal life flow. And that's this, belief in the one sent by God. This is the, the, the doing the work that God requires. Look at Jesus' response in verse 29. Jesus answered, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. 
Wow. Again, John's gospel is all about belief in Jesus and believing in Jesus, this belief that it's not just mental ascent, uh, but practical and active and living in our in our in our lives. And this crowd asks Jesus, okay, what must we do to do the works of the Father? How would we answer that? Well, you go to church and read your Bible and say your prayers. That's those are often the things that we hear, but but Jesus cuts to the point of it all. And he says, the works of the Father is simply this believing in him who is sent of God. Believing in me. And so Jesus refocuses their attention on himself. Without faith in Jesus, belief in Jesus, actual real belief in Jesus that finds its practical applications. Many of these these things, these activities like prayer and going to church and being moral don't really benefit us or anyone else. Our primary work is to be receptive to God. All of our actions and our plans are dependent on the most important action, which is union with God through Christ by the Spirit. And ultimately, this isn't a matter about us uh, working for God, but a matter of God's living His life and doing His work through us as we trust in Him and align ourselves with Him by His grace. And so this question to the crowd shows that they have gained some uh, level of understanding since the conversation began in verse 25. They appear to be trying to get on board with Jesus' teaching because they're talking about the work of God, but they're still missing the main point. And they don't pick up on Jesus' revelation of himself in his role as giving them the food that endures to eternal life. Instead of looking to the giver and the gift, they look to their own role. Somewhere in the midst of trying to please God, it's easy to lose, to lose sight and to lose trust in God's own sovereign graciousness. Jesus replies to their question, uh, sharply refocuses their attention and trust uh, onto trust in God and His grace. And he says to them, the work of God is to believe in him who sent. And once again, Jesus describes himself as, uh, by referencing the Father who sent him. And everything the crowd has said and done has failed to focus on the central figure, which is Jesus himself. Jesus, the good shepherd, has finally gotten them to face in the right direction. And it's not by many works that God requires, but one work. And that work is to believe, is to trust in Jesus whom God has sent. God's unique son who offers grace to the world. Jesus' work is to reveal the Father. And our work is to receive that revelation and align our lives with it. And so again, once again, we see the overwhelming grace of God in this amazing uh, uh, dialogue that happens between Jesus and these followers. And we also see a a point to God's amazing patience with our dullness and our stupidity. Just as he walked through the Samaritan woman's misunderstandings to bring her to faith, here too he works with the unpromising situation to get these people to see what's right before their very eyes. And you know what? (laughs) This is really good information for us. It's really good uh, uh, good for us because we're quite dull at times, aren't we? Uh, we too can have 
stiff necks, but thankfully God has a stiffer neck. We can take comfort in, in his patience and the picture we see in this account of his working in all human hearts. And we can be assured that God is trying to break through the heart of every person that we come in contact with. And he may want to use us in that process. I'm reminded from this past weekend's sermon of, uh, of Sammy's when, when he uh, pointed several times throughout scripture where, where it talks about, you know, God is not a, a just, you know, chomping in the bit waiting to pour out wrath. Instead, God is a God of patience so that uh, people may repent to give, uh, he, he has withheld his punishment so that repentance may happen. God is a gracious God who does not want to, to, to bring wrath, but instead he wants his mercy and his grace to be received. While there's a lot of comfort in this crowd, and uh, in, in how Jesus deals with this crowd, we should not uh, take false comfort. The, the folks in this crowd will end up rejecting Jesus. Indeed, almost all of Jesus' disciples will reject him by the end of this chapter even, uh, at least for, for a moment. God's patience is forever, but we can reject him and reject the gift that he offers. And Jesus' uh, presence not only brings the offer of eternal blessing, but it also indicates the threat of eternal danger. The stakes are high for us and for those we meet. You know, John Wesley once said that many Christians have just enough religion to be miserable. They're like this crowd. They're, they're missing God's gift of life in His Son. Uh, they're not experiencing abiding life, which is described in this chapter. And you know, you and I are a lot like this crowd. Uh, we need God's help to understand who Jesus is and what He offers us. So as we finish on this Monday morning, I want to look back just a few verses ago. Jesus says, Don't labor for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father has, has placed His seal. I want to ask you, as you start this week off, what are you working for? What is, what's your motivation? What is your drive What's the food, the bread that you're working for? Does it, does it make a difference in life? Are, are you just working to pay bills? Or are you, are you, are, are you working to, uh, to provide for, in ways that, that last for eternity? Are, are you being the, the husband and the father that you've been called to be? Investing in eternity by placing... Uh, a picture of Jesus in the in the minds of your your spouse and your children are you pointing them to God or are you just staying busy doing your thing are you making the most of every opportunity that you have in your home and in your work to point people to Jesus or are you just doing what's required of you in your everyday duties I guess that's a challenge for for me today, and, and I want to in, invite you to be challenged by that as well. Uh, may we start this week off with a new perspective in mind. Uh, may we live this week pointing to bread that doesn't perish. 
and that's everlasting life. Thanks for tuning in today to Leesburg Daily. Join me tomorrow as we pick up in verse 31. God bless. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow.